on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo-Daily, Miracle in the Jungle. The four young children who survived 40 days in the rainforest. In the dark and dense Colombian jungle last Friday, radios belonging to searchers crackled to life with four words. Miracle, 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 miracle. Now, this is the army code for a child found alive and repeated four times. It meant all four missing children in the Colombian rainforest had survived. They had been missing since the start of May when the plane they were in crashed. The South American country was united in hope and prayer that the missing children, aged 13, 9, 4 and a baby who turned one in the jungle, would be located. But hope never faded to find them alive. The Colombian military finding footprints and scattered relics to keep the search going day after day. But just how they survived such a thankless terrain, a life with jaguars, poisonous snakes, mosquitoes and armed drug smuggling groups, is largely down to the bravery and skill of one big sister. We have to recognise her courage and her leadership. We could say that it was because of her that the three little siblings were able to survive by her side with her care and also with her knowledge of the jungle. I'm Siobhan McGuire and to learn more about this story and indeed a reported custody battle now for the children, I'm joined by Richard McCall, a freelance journalist in Bogota and host of the Columbia Calling podcast. Colombia's President Gustavo Petro saying the siblings are an example of survival that will go down in history. Richard, Colombia is in a celebratory mood and there's a fascination around how these young children survived in the rainforest for so long. But can we actually go back to the 1st of May when all of this started? Because even before those 40 days in the rainforest, these four kids survived a plane crash, right? Well, yeah, Siobhan, it's the most incredible and astonishing story for young children surviving. First of all, not just talking about the whole survival story, but a, first of all, you know, a plane crash. They were in a fixed wheel Cessna airplane. So, of course, very difficult to land anywhere uh, where there's not a flat surface. I do believe that the pilot wanted to try and uh, sort of make an emergency landing on a body of water but couldn't get there in time and then was 
the, the aim was to sort of try and land softly on the jungle canopy. But of course, that's impossible when you've got these fixed wheels and these four children, I would say against all odds, survived because you know, every adult that was on the plane died. I know that the mother tragically uh, died after four, four days hanging on in there obviously uh, but every adult died how is it that the four children survived it's a truly just amazing story right from the start and you think of the trauma that these children must be suffering now Exactly, Richard. And so they were travelling with their mother, Magdalena, who is an Indigenous leader, and the siblings are members of the Hutoto uh, Indigenous community. They were looking to start a new life in uh, Bogota. Is that correct? Well, yes. I mean, what we know so far is that they are from near to Araraquara, which is in the southern, southernmost part of Caqueta, just before the Amazonas uh, department. That's how we call states here. They're from that area right down there. It's dense, dense jungle. And what I understand is one or other of the parents, either the father or the mother, have been threatened by a dissident group formerly belonging to the FARC guerrillas. For those of you who may not be uh, as up-to-date as, as others uh, on what's going on in Colombia, we do have a long-running civil conflict that dates back to the 1960s. In 2016, there was a peace accord, a peace agreement signed with the largest guerrilla group, that was the FARC guerrillas, so that's the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. Some of those some of those members did not turn in their arms and did not sign up for a peace accord. And so they are still active in parts of the uh, country. And so down there in this Amazonian region, along the rivers and so on, there it's a strategic, uh, strategically important point of the country, of course, river transport. There is illegal gold mining. And of course, you can move illicit products through this area with very little problem. So I do believe that one or other, and I've, I've read it was the father, but it could as well be the mother, were threatened by the FARC dissident group, the front that's down there. And of course, that's, that's a threat on their lives. So that was the idea. On May the 1st, they were going to travel out to San Jose del Guaviare, and I suppose from there up to Bogota to, to start a new life, to, to get away from the threats on, on them and their families. And this part of the world is indeed a dark, dense canopy of thick, thick forest. And that particular area where those kids and their, their mum come from uh, was so outrageously dangerous in terms of rapids um, and the forest that it was easy enough to put some of the country's most dangerous criminals there in the 1930s because there was pretty much no escape from it. Oh, you, you've done your research because, yes, indeed, Araraquara was a penal colony. And the landing strip that's still used today for flights in and out was carved out of the rock uh, by the prisoners themselves. I had the uh, amazing opportunity to go more than a decade ago uh, and and have, have been down there and traveled in the jungles, the dense nature of the jungles. This This area 
well, yeah, you, you take your prisoners, you take your, your prisoners down there. They're not getting out. They're not getting anywhere from there. Uh, you don't want to go off into the jungles. I mean, everything is, is well, of course, there's so much out there. Poisonous plants, venomous snakes, jaguars. And of course, it's just it's just an incredibly difficult place. It's the perfect penal colony. And so th- this family were on the move and then the, the plane uh, tragically crashes. It's two weeks before the plane is found, but there's no sign or sight of any children. Is there, Richard? That's right. There were no kids. Uh, you know, we know that they had been waiting by the plane with their mother who managed to survive for four further days after the crash. But as she was dying, apparently, as the children are now telling us, she did say, it's time for you to to go off. It's time for you to walk off and find our people and, and save yourselves. So you can only imagine the nature of the struggle and the desperation. 360 kilometers between Araraquara, where they took off, and San Jose del Guaviare, where they were going to land. And they were about midway between, so 180 kilometers. And if you look at a map, and if you look at Google Maps, you can see the nature of of the jungle there. One of the search party, one of the military search parties said, this isn't a needle in a haystack, this is a flea in a rug, and the flea keeps moving. And that's what makes it more difficult to find these children. And the search was extensive, Richard. 150 soldiers, 200 volunteers, 10 dogs, and you have the four kids aged 13, 9, 4, and 1. I mean, a little tiny baby, for goodness sake. And and here they are trying to make their way through this uh, unforgivable terrain. That's, that's one of the things, isn't it? When you think of four children, I myself, a, a parent of an 8-year-old and a 3-year-old, they wouldn't have been able to walk through this. Uh, but 13, 9, 4, and 1, it's incredible, really, isn't it? And therefore, we really need to celebrate the maturity of the eldest, the 13-year-old. She was the one who took the responsibility of looking after her uh, siblings. This was this was her thing. She obviously was carrying the one-year-old, the nine-year-old was helping the four-year-old. And we also need to recognize these are indigenous people from the Witoto clan, the Witoto community. They have an understanding of the jungle. There's no doubt about it. They understand the fruits, the seeds, the dangers, and so on. They're still very young, but they also live right there in the jungle. So it's, well, I mean, we can't diminish the magnitude of what they went through. But of course, they have certainly a great deal more experience than than anyone else you can put into this kind of uh, this position. These children apparently also had a little advantage because they know the rainforest, they grew up close to it, and they probably knew sometimes what to eat and what not to eat. But nevertheless, this is a tremendous achievement. 40 days in the rainforest, uh, tremendous hazards, biohazards such as diseases, uh, also dangerous animals and armed groups that are in the area. Yeah, I think their father said afterwards, Richard, that they would play survival games growing up, him and the eldest daughter, Leslie, who is basically the hero of the day in all of this story, um, along with a certain canine called Wilson, who still hasn't been found. 
Yes, now Wilson has now become the main item on the news agenda here in Colombia with people uh, creating all sorts of social media campaigns to find Wilson. Uh, Wilson is the, the I don't know what breed, but uh, a type of Alsatian or German shepherd trained up. Um, Wilson found the children. It's due to Wilson that those children were found because quite emotionally, the children now who are in the military hospital here in Bogota are very much under observation. I do believe that the littlest one, the one-year-old, is still in intensive care because just because he's so small. But they've been given crayons and paper to draw with the, the children, and they did a drawing of themselves in the jungle and Wilson with them. And this was without any prompting at all. So there is that recognition that Wilson found them and probably later on got more disoriented when he went back trying to find his handlers uh, in the jungle. This is a place where the, it rains for 16 hours on end without stop. There's ever, any number of threats. So Wilson continues to be lost, but at the same time, Wilson found them and the rescue party that then found the children were able to follow Wilson's uh, paw prints. I mean, it would break your heart to think of that poor doggy uh, out there alone. And we can hope that he is actually found. Um, you have to as well hand it to all the searchers who got involved and, and stayed involved in this, uh, Richard. Because I would imagine as the weeks went on and we were hitting 40 days when the kids were eventually located, that some people must have said, well, surely they're gone for good. But the Colombian military really stuck to their guns and, and stayed with the search. This is this is the new story, really, here, isn't it? Because the Colombian military, for, for various reasons, has has had quite a bad reputation. That's you know here or there, it's a long-running conflict. We don't want to get into all of this. The Colombian military has had a negative, and let's say, a negative reputation in a lot of parties and a lot of sides in this in this argument here. But at the same time, this is the first time that the Colombian military and a rescue team made up of a large amount of members of indigenous communities working together for a humanitarian cause. This is the first time that this has occurred, and it, this is a huge deal. And I would also say that this connects entirely to the new government that we have. It's the first leftist government ever in, in Colombia. And the president, when he was uh, in his inauguration in August of last year, said, this is Gustavo Petro, the president, he said to the military directly, you are now going to be judged on lives saved, not on lives taken. And so it's a complete reversal of the military doctrine that has, well, has, has defined this country since the 1960s and previous to that. So I do feel that this is a, a you know a complete follow-on from, from what was said. This has changed the way the narrative is now is now being detailed here in Colombia. This is the military now are, are here to save lives. And this is a good news story and, and they deserve all of the, the applause uh, that is coming their way. Colombian President Gustavo Petro sharing the good news with reporters. The indigenous and the military together found the kids after 40 days. They were alone. A historical statement of survival today. 
These are the children of peace and the children of Colombia. And uh, that lovely message that the searchers called in, miracle, 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 uh, uh, four words for an army code, meaning that all four kids are alive. Yeah, that was that was quite amazing. Very emotive. Uh, milagro, 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 milagro. As you said, miracle, 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 miracle for each one of the children there, each with life. I, I can only imagine that the euphoria of the military and, of course, the indigenous search parties out there as they found these children. I, it, it's, a, you know, it, four children in the jungle. It really does pull the heartstrings. It's a very vivid, very emotive story. I do believe that the, the soldier in charge, the overall the soldier in charge of the overall search party is now godfather to the littlest one, the the Kristen, the one-year-old. I do believe that's happened. And, and it's just one of those stories that I, everybody's talking about it. You know, it, we said 40 days in the jungle. By the 40th day, we, I think people were beginning to lose hope. Uh, uh, but the week beforehand, when you mentioned that, you know, okay, you know, Hope is hope is running out. Uh, we're not going to find it. The week beforehand, the military, uh, one of the search parties, had found uh, the remnants of one of the aid packages and the food packages that they, they'd thrown out uh, of the helicopters and the search party planes. And it had been opened by the children and eaten. So that gave them renewed hope the Sunday prior to their, their rescue. Soldiers say they found a baby bottle, diaper, and a child's tiny footprint, promising signs the children were still out there. And, you know, when the kids were found, Richard, uh, of course, they're weary and thin and malnourished and and exhausted. Uh, The first words uh, from one of them was, I'm hungry. And the words from another of the children was, my my mother's dead. Um, So, I mean, a really traumatic experience for all of them. President Petro has hailed them as children of the jungle. And actually, it was their grandmother's comment that um, that really kind of resonated in terms of how the indigenous community really respect um, the rainforest and the power of nature. I am very grateful and to Mother Earth as well that they were set free, said their grandmother. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a completely different cosmovision to those of us that live in a city or those of us who've had an opportunity to visit these areas will understand that you know, the nature and the jungle and the environment are very present in their lives. I would say it's it's the Pachamama, the Mother Earth. It's the Mother Earth provides, it's a spirit. Uh, and that's been one of the sort of uh, talking points is that, you know, maybe the the jungle saved the children gave them up, but in return took Wilson the dog. You know, there's now this lot of uh, discussion around the sort of spiritual, natural side of these things. But we do remember they are, these indigenous communities are of the jungle. They have a far greater understanding of of life and, and survival. But it's not so much survival, it's living alongside and within the jungle themselves. And if you'll remember some of the other reporting is that I know that the the grandparents or the grandfather would have been, um, and some of these, the shamans or the the wise men, they were uh, 
doing the the sacred medicine of yahe, sometimes known as ayahuasca, to see if they could see into the jungle and see if the children were alive. So this very much the the sacred representation of of the natural in this area. And can you imagine? Can you imagine reaching those children? And the first thing is, you know, I'm hungry. And the second the second thing a child says is, my mother's dead. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, the trauma. And as, as we know, in the military hospital here in Bogota, they're receiving psychosocial help, obviously, in addition to the medical side of things. And unfortunately, Richard, we're reading now um, that there is a potential custody battle breaking out among relatives of the four children um, to, to see who they will eventually stay with. Yeah, I've noted that there are articles coming out about father. I'm not totally comfortable commenting on this until there's some sort of, you know, clarity around the situation. I do understand that he was not the birth father of a couple of the children. So therefore, that has raised, uh, uh, you know, questions uh, about who gains uh, authority over the children's. Actually, over the children, I would prefer to sort of leave it in the hands of the Child Welfare uh, Institute here in Colombia. They'll know what what to do best. Uh, it's it's uh, unfortunate that the story should then uh, sort of trail off in this manner in in what is now going to be a custody battle in a family. Right now, we should be thinking: Listen. Isn't it amazing? The indigenous communities worked with the military. The children were found alive. They've been withdrawn and airlifted from the jungle against all odds. These 60 meter canopy of trees that they were pulled out of, uh, you know, winched out of. They made it up to Bogota. They're in the best medical care. 40 days in the jungle. It's, it's, you know, the story tells itself. My thanks to Richard McCall, freelance journalist in Bogota and host of Columbia Calling podcast for joining me today. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by myself, researched by Neve McGovern with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from CBS, CNN, BBC, DW and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.